Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, folks, man. I got this, yeah. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are here for another episode. Thought you were going to miss us. Nice try. Just coming off set the spread on Monday, and now we're here for our usual scheduled programming. Today we are short a guy. We, Parker's not here, but we do have the Courts Brothers, Country Club, and, and DK Capper, Longhorn, MMA, whatever the fuck. How are you guys? Real good. Real good. Coming off an awesome weekend between some awesome fights, some awesome baseball. It's just a great time to be a sports fan. We got a great golf tournament coming up and some more fun car, fight cards this weekend. Profitable card for you last week, Dan? Not so much, but uh, we'll get them close. We'll get them next okay. time. Yeah, yeah, not worried about it. Not worried about it. Country Club, how you feeling? Danny, Danny and I will be watching this week's card from Omaha. Actually, he'll be there. I won't be there yet, but we're going to. The only thing I want to hear is watching the card. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you're at a wedding or a funeral. The card will be on. Uh, oh, yeah. But just let everyone know, it, it, they're going to the baseball tournament. No one, no one's getting married or no one died. Um, so with that being said, let's get into it. So, Dan, we're going to flip the script here for the, for the listeners for the hot, first hot sack. You're coming in to host this one. You have a couple questions for myself. I have no idea what they are. Shoot, let's hear them. I'm ready to. I'm ready to battle. Yeah, I've just got a couple questions to lift lift things off. Uh, really, just to carry it between last episode to this episode where we left off. Who do you think improved more between last fight and this fight? Izzy or Vittori? Was that was that question answered for you clearly? Good question. I mean, it's the thing is, is did the answer is out of Sanya. The answer is out of Sanya. But I would like to say that I think his biggest improvement his entire career has come from the Blahovich fight to now. So I haven't seen that improvement until this fight. But his takedown defense and his ability to get off his back, to me, it was a huge step improvement, even though, yeah, Vittori's not as good at top control as, say, Jan Blahovic's, it still was an improvement from Adesanya's standpoint. In my Definitely. And, and just the pull is power was just a different level of strength, I think, is what we realized. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, the scrambles were there. The get-ups were there. The posting, like, a takedown defense was there. Um, he – there was a lot more to improve, so I think we're I think we're agreeing there. Yeah, but so this is where I think we won't agree. Little little knowledgeable things too that I noticed as well. Like if he got taken down, he would slowly move closer to the fence. Before he was content sitting sitting on his back, trying to get up in the middle of the ring. This time he's like, okay, I'm gonna try to get to the fence. I'm gonna try to get fence control. I'm gonna try to get up. I'm gonna, you know, work underhooks, whatever it takes. So I was, um, I wasn't impressed. impressed. I was impressed. But at the same time, I do think that before this most recent jump, Izzy flatlined a little bit. But I think the Blahovich fight really woke up a beast to him. I, it was good to see. It was good to see. Okay. Glad we agree right, on that one. So, thought, it, thought it was going to be worse. All right. So eight go. rounds, seven one. Are you done? Are you done with the like Vittori's the one to beat Izzy argument? No, I'm not. And, Eight rounds, seven to one, pure domination. 
I understand. Um, Masterclass. I understand, but I, again, we were just talking about this off camera for those, but uh, I, I don't think it was 50, 45. I don't, I, I do think Israel Adesanya won the fight, but when you have two and a half minutes of top control and the striking exchanges are close to even, I, I don't know how every round goes to Adesanya. So okay. So the closest he got to two and a half minutes of, of top control in any round was the very last round, a minute and 59 seconds of top control a round where he got outstruck 20 to nine. Right. Uh, in, in all the other rounds in the first round, he had a minute and eight, a minute and eight seconds of ground control, uh, then 59 seconds, then a minute, 18, then a minute, 31 so the on those first three rounds. So on, on the first round, um, Izzy outstruck him. It looks like 19 to 17. So, so yeah, close to 17 with a minute on top control and you're giving the round to Izzy. Okay. That's fine. I, I thought that it was a decisive end of the round for Izzy. I thought that a lot of the strikes, I thought that a lot of the strikes that Vittori Arden landed. Was also closing the dance. He was, he was. He was uh, I, I thought that it, at the, I thought that the second that Izzy got off his back and defended the first takedown, Marvin looked lost for the rest of the fight. He got frustrated and lost. He was missing. I don't Izzy know. Was I, will admit, on him. I will admit that the, the leg check, uh, the, the leg kicks were probably the most significant, which bothered me about Vittori's approach because Izzy kind of scripted that in the Costa fight, almost to a T. So the fact that you would come in there and not check leg kicks, and I understand that Izzy's and very just so hard with those things. Izzy's good with the question mark kick. So if you fully commit to checking the leg kick, it's going to come to your head. I get that. But I I think I watched it back. I don't know if Vittori checked one. He might have checked one. And so it's like when Costa got eaten up by those, I was a little disappointed to see Vittori come in and also just get eaten alive by those. Cause they are defendable. You can check them. I thought um, it was just, I thought it went to show that it's going to be really, really tough to dethrone him at middleweight when he's not afraid of your huge power, when he's not afraid of your huge power and he can really just style on you with, with the movement in the big cage. I know it's beating a dead horse, but I think I'm going to be, on, I saw the line for Whitaker opened it to above 200. I'm, I'm going to be on it. My money's going to be on Whitaker. It just is. I know it might be stupid. I'm sorry. It probably is, but I'm just not seeing something. Okay, wait, then second round. What were the strike counts in the second round, if you have it up? 33-17 is with less than a minute. Yeah, Oh, okay. less so than a minute of ground yeah. control. Izzy's round, I thought it was closer than 33 something. What about round three? Uh, Looks like 36 to 20. And how minute much? 18, minute 18 ground control, but 32 seconds of ground control for Izzy. Okay. Because he had that so, sweep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember thinking the fight was closer than the scorecards initially said. And then I also, the one thing I didn't like was the the commentary booth was literally saying it was like a pure, they're like, they were saying that Martin Vittori's delusional in his corner. He's not even close in this fight. And I didn't see it exactly that way, but um no, I saw him getting frustrated and tired and, but, and not really hitting the target at all. But the one thing that I was disappointed with was uh, his ability to explode through the takedown. He would get the first hand, he would get the double leg and he'd get it locked. He'd get his hands locked and he wouldn't explode through. Right. And, and we're talking about the control time on fight stats. Most of that is fence control time. Yeah. I mean, no, you're right. You're right. But it's still, the one thing is, it's with those Izzy hard. elbows landing too, it's hard, it's hard to say it's that those moments even went for Vittori. It's hard to 50-45 yeah. 
when you're spending a lot of time with your back against the cage and Vittori's pushing the pace, but when you outstrike him, even as a counter striker, 33 to 17, you're right. That round is purely Adesanya's. I won't even argue that. Um, would I, would I bet Vittori again in the title fight against Adesanya? No. But do I think that there's a realm where Vittori gets crowned in there? Yeah, I do. I, I think that Vittori, we, we might see him as a, as a future champion in the UFC. I, tr- I truly believe that. I really do. I, and I don't know if that's misguided, but I really, I, I think Vittori has the skills like he, for example, he I wants. Don't to think he has the cardio. He almost he got, he got rocked in the fifth round by Kevin you Holland. Can that though, but dude, is he? Is he got? Like, yeah, is he's a lot better than Kevin Holland. But is he got rocked three times by Gaslam? You can always find points where people. Right, get this hurt. was it, that, it's twenty twenty one versus like twenty seventeen. But dude, Vittori's twenty seven. You're telling me a thirty two year old Vittori can't have another really good look at this? Thirty one year old Vittori, he's gonna dismantle Costa when they fight. And then it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be him kind of in the mix, maybe a cannoneer fight to get back to the title shot. I, I don't know. But I think Vittori's around to stay. I think he's the best days of Vittori are ahead of him still. I think if he can work on the cardio a little bit, fix up the game plan and work on those leg, those leg checks, I, I, I think there's a realm where he wins. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying he, he's got a long way to go. I know, but we're always going to fundamentally agree on how good Adesanya is, which is the baseline of the question. Yep. Um, with that being said, do you have anything else you want to fire my way? Or, I mean, that was no, a- just, just, just those two. I mean, that was as good of a conversation as we've ever had on this podcast. Um, with that being said, I do want to talk about quick and I'm not going to have you guys guess it this time. Cause not only is it pretty obvious, but, uh, performance of the Knights went to Brandon Moreno, not surprising, third-round submission. Danny, you were on Figgy there, Azam Moreno. What do you, any thoughts on that fight, how it went down? or Yeah, that, that yeah. fight was a huge mystery to me. Um, right from the get-go, I mean, Davidson was had, hesitant. I don't know if he was, like, afraid of Moreno's power. I don't know if he – I really don't know. I have so many questions for him, for his team, for his game plan. He went, I mean, the first four minutes throwing, I want to say, two strikes. Um, and then he got dropped with a jab. He looked lost the whole time. It looked like a completely different fighter than we've seen his whole career. Like, completely props to Brandon Moreno. He looked awesome. He looked like no one could touch him to that, that night. But I was so surprised at what we saw from Figgy. I was completely wrong on that one. I honestly agree with you. So I was on Moreno. I just thought there was value at that steep line. I know everyone is kind of in the camp that Figgy won the first one. If it wasn't for that point being taken and the point was a questionable point, and that's fair. But I just liked the value. I thought there was a spot. I did not expect a submission finish at all. Not only that, I mean, he could have finished it a couple different ways. I didn't. That whole fight went completely differently than I ever could have predicted. Moreno looked like, really good. Moreno looked really good. And then you look at the flyweight division and the standings in the flyweight division. It's like you're – I mean, do you give Figgy the instant rematch? Uh, I don't think you can when he gets dominated. So, I mean, so handily. I think you have to go ask her, ask her off, or I don't even know. I, 
I know. I, that's where I was at. I don't know. I mean, a, a, a one that I would like to see, but this more goes from going to the roots would be a Pantoja Moreno rematch. They matched up on the first round of the ultimate fighter. Moreno was the last seed. Pantoja was the first seed. It'd be interesting to run that one back. Cause that was a close fight. Moreno had his mm-hmm. moments in the, in the beginning and ended up getting finished. But I mean, you look at the, the plate uh, the state of the flyweight division, especially because Dana was chopping at it. And it's like, you really only have Asker Askarov, Pantoja, and, like, you really can't give anyone else a nod. Perez got finished instantly by Figgy. Joe Benny um, finished the Alex, Alex Perez just got a fight book, did he not? No, he probably did. I'm saying why he couldn't get a – Kobe, can we get a check on the Alex Perez fight while Danny and I keep talking? Uh, the other thing is so, – so that was the first performance was Brandon Moreno. Um, then the second performance was Paul Craig. And I also want to mention that because I tweeted – on ankle pick, and I was very adamant on the podcast as well that Jamail Hill was a great parlay piece at that 200 line. And holy fuck was I wrong. Paul Craig is a leech, and when he's hung on you, he's so good from his guard. It is insane to me. Insane to me. And as our BJJ analyst, I just want to ask you two things. One, can Paul Craig make a run at this division? And two, what did you think about just the way that fight played out and an undefeated Jamail Hill catching his first loss via gruesome armbar submission? That ended yeah, up being TKO. But. I mean, I think I think he said it best after the fight. He he learned a lesson last night or a couple whatever last Saturday. Um, it's it's tough to get out of someone as tough or as good and as off their back as you said as Paul Craig out of their triangle. Um, and I mean, there was a triangle turned into an arm bar turned into just like an arm crank that was the, ended up being the causing the arm to pop out of its socket or break, or I'm not really even sure what ended up being the report. Um, but wow, the toughness on Jamal Hill to not tap or not, I know arm people hanging giving, loose there. And people were giving the rap a hard time about a poor stoppage and, and, he was adamant. Hill was adamant on Twitter, just going like, "No, I didn't. I didn't tap. I was going for." And he was trying to lock his hands, something. But uh, Jesus, that guy's tough as nails. Ended up not being broken, by the way. But Paul Craig, deservingly of another uh, bonus there. I don't think he'll get past Magomed Ankalaev, though. I agree with you. And there's a couple, but he didn't he already? Oh my gosh! He tapped him. I think you're right. He tapped him. He's he is he he is the kryptonite for any Dagestani wrestler. I, wow. I mean, dude, he is a absolute like I was. He's so good from his guard; it's insane, and he just leeches you. And the Alonzo Manyfield win it, it made me put his chin in question. I was like, oh man, Jimmy Crude also beat him via Kimura, which was interesting. But man. That man is a, a leech, and to dethrone Jamail Hill like that is a – and by dethrone, I just mean Jamail Hill just cracked into the rankings, undefeated fighter, and he's sent back to Never Never Land, which is interesting. Um, fight of the night goes to your boy, Drew Dober, and, and your other boy, Brad Riddell, on that amazing scrap, and I'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. Could be fight five of round, the year. 
yeah, three round decision, but it was an absolute war. Uh, I believe it was it a split decision because I no unanimous twenty nine twenty eight unanimous. Yeah, but it was a phenomenal fight. They both got stunned a couple times, and Riddell really shows, in my opinion, that he can strike with anyone in this division. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. That was so much fun anyway. to watch. There's a cool GIF going around in slow motion of them each throwing a combo and missing every single strike and just showing how good their defense is. Um, it, it was just so fun to watch. But like you said, from the both getting stunned multiple times to just the back and forth. And even when they were grappling the awesome scrambles, I mean, it was just such an even fight. So much fun to watch. No, it was a, it was a good, it was a good scrap and um, well-deserving of, of fight of the night for sure. Uh, two other things. So the card as a whole, UFC 263, set a record for the longest fight time ever. And, it, and it, total cumulative fight time. And it, deservingly so, I mean, it crushed it. it. It had a lot of decisions, good, hard-fought decisions. One of those decisions being our ankle lock. Eric Anders de, uh, beating Darren Stewart via unanimous decision. Clearly taking the second and third round after we were sweating it outside the first. Anders got beat up a little bit in the first round and clearly took the second and third looked like Starrett, uh Stewart faded a little bit, even though he's a small light heavyweight in my, or yeah, in my opinion. And then another decision was uh, one that I thought was bullshit. Lauren Murphy beat Jojo Calderwood via decision. Now that one, I'm pretty sure was a split. And yeah, that, that, was was, definitely a split. that was one I had 29, 28 Jojo. I gave Jojo the last two. I, I also scored it for her, but we both had money on, on sure. JoJo. The, Lauren Murphy seems to be a woman that I cannot predict. Uh, every time she gets a decision and they say lucky, I'm like, yeah, she is a fucking lucky bitch. Because every time she gets the decision, I'm like, she, you didn't win that fight. What are we doing here? And she has three split decisions in a row. Something crazy like that. And now she's going to be next to the title, which is nuts. It's just going to be – I mean, it, but does that even matter? I mean, she's going to just – die in that title fight i mean you think shevchenko is going to give her a chance in hell no so she that'll has, be a finish. no so she has a split decision against andre lee and she has a split decision against jojo she got two finishes and then uh just a unanimous against roxanne but it's closer than it should have been honestly yeah i i don't know it's me and you both lost money there and i don't regret it i would Bet it again. I really would. A um, couple other highlights before we move on. Movzar Evelev, he beat Dawadu, which the line we saw had potential value. But thank God we laid off it. Uh, Evelev advances to 15-0, beating ranked Hakeem Dawadu, and it was decisive, to say the least. Decisive. Dominant, for sure. Yep. Tristan McKinney. First round KOTKO seven seconds over Matt Favola. I think you said Favola bang, might bang. be the parlay piece along with that Jamail Hill line. Uh, I did. Yeah, our, didn't our, end up seeing my card. Lucky me. Yeah, our parlay me, me neither. Thank God. Our parlay pieces definitely did not look great this last week. Thank God Kobe gave up on the parlay of the week. One more thing, and then and then we'll move on. Your I want both of your takes for this, Leon Edwards. I saw all over Twitter that not finishing Nate Diaz and the way the fight gone, that he didn't deserve the title fight 
or an upcoming title fight. They're disappointed. And then he almost got finished in the fifth round. He got shook with a minute left and was on skates. And I think Diaz thought he might be baiting him in. It took him a little bit to pounce and, and Leon survives. Where does, like, I just kind of want to hear your guys' opinion on the Leon fight as a whole from both of you, from a, a Sharps perspective and then a, a self-proclaimed casual. And then I also want to see, do, do you think Leon deserves a title fight? Because I think a lot of people are back and forth on that, whether Leon gets the title fight or if he needs to prove more, if he needs to show, I mean, he's inactive. And he beats on another inactive Nate Diaz, and then he almost gets finished in the fifth. So I thought he looked great, but I was Twitter was giving him the the one two and and the soda. So yeah, I, I think he I thought he looked great. I agree with you, um, but it didn't impress me really. You should look great against Nate Diaz. I definitely I did bet um, Leon inside the distance. I was disappointed it didn't go there. I thought the doctors could have called it at one point if they called the Jorge fight when they did. But that's the difference between the New York State Athletic Commission and the Arizona State Athletic Commission. It's what you get. Um, I agree with, I guess, Twitter. I think that he should have one more fight against maybe the winner of Gilbert, Stephen Thompson, or maybe just straight up against Colby. Um, I know that leaves Kamaru on the shelf longer than we might want. But I feel like it, if, we're, if we're giving Leon to Kamaru, it's just because we need Kamaru to get a fight and less because – Leon earned his way up to a title. Yeah. I mean, extremely inactive, but I, I was, it was clear Leon was significantly the better fighter in there. I just think, I don't know if it was, I don't know if he should get the title shot. I, I know Twitter was all over it, but Kobe. I, I kind of agree with what Danny said. It's like we're, we're, we're talking about giving a title shot to a guy because we want to keep Usman active. Like, I don't think that he's – I don't think that Leon's better than Gilbert. I don't think that Leon's better than Colby. I don't think that Leon's better than even Stephen Thompson. It's like I, I understand where we're coming from. An inactive fighter that's on a huge win streak, right? He's like 11 in a row now, or is it 10? I got you. One, two, three. Whatever it is. I mean, nine. It's nine now, not including the Bilal fight where he pieced him up. Right, right. So his last loss, his last loss 10 fights ago, none other than Kamar Usman via decision. And when was that, like 2016? 15. 15. So it's 10 fights in two years. 10 fights in six years. I don't no, know. I wasn't open to that, So if, if we're going to give him to Usman, then it's, it's just to keep Usman busy. And I feel like – I don't know. It's tough to say he hasn't earned it because he hasn't lost in forever, but look, I'd like to see him fight one more before just giving him a title fight. I know that like, but I, I, if we're talking about the winner of Gilbert and Steven Thompson, that's in a month. And then, you know, the winner of that, we're talking at least three, four months down the road from there. And then all of a sudden Usman's been on the shelf for 10 months. Right. I, that's what I'm thinking. I do want to add that. I don't think what we all think should be happen will happen. I think Leon will get the next title shot um, just because I don't think he'll accept another fight. I think he- I, I, I agree, but if he doesn't accept another fight, so we got, we got Burns fighting Thompson and that's coming up shortly here. July. I think he's on the July, July card. Yeah. So he's on the July 10th card. That's Burns Thompson. Colby is kind of not really, I mean, Col- Colby hasn't fought a year. So I don't know how much that fight, I mean, I'm obviously that fight interests him, but I don't know 
exactly what his plan is. His last fight was Tyron. Colby can't Colby. fight until he figures out a new stick. Right. <laughs> it seems that way. He hasn't fought. I, he hasn't fought since the election results. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> his last he's fight. Been in, he's been in the lab with his creative team. Like, what do we do next, Vince McMahon? September. How do we? 20th. How do we get him in the palm of our hand? How can I say something super racist that doesn't freak people out? I mean, Tyron was his last fight in September. So he's been inactive as well. I mean, and even before that, he took almost a year off before after that Usman loss. So before do we want to see? But that was because he broke his jaw. Yeah, yeah, Usman broke that fuck's jaw. What do we think about Leon Colby winner gets Usman, but then Usman again is kind of yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, that just makes Usman way too long for a fight. I think Usman's going to take the winner of Wonderboy Gilbert. Do you think he wants Gilbert again? That was pretty decisive. I think he likes Gilbert more than anyone else in the division, and he'd rather take him again than the other guys again. He's already been through the rest. So that, and that leaves us back to Leon. Leon's the guy he hasn't been through in the longest. So we'll go Leon and then Gilbert and then probably back to Colby. So – this That's kinda, my prediction. This kind of leads us into news and notes because one of our first fight announcements is a Vicente Luque Michael Chiesa spot, which kind of caps off that they're number five and six. We're been yes. talking our mouths off about the one through four. And that's where does this leave Jorge Masvidal? Well, Masvidal's Masvidal's never going to get another title shot as long as Usman. No one wants to see that for a third time, but. You see Chiesa Luque. So winner of that probably gets loser of Burns Thompson. And then you have another guy who hasn't had a shot at the, the title if they if they get past that fight. I don't know. I mean, dude, I think Kamaru's – one of the things I've been saying is I think Kamaru is going to be the hardest champion to dethrone. And, I, I mean, as long as he wants to stay active, he's just going to keep beating up on this recycled – bunch well props to him. he's bunch. gone through this division like swiss cheese i know it's really remarkable honestly it really really is with that being said i don't think there's any highlights from any other th- i mean we kind of touched on everything last week izzy capped off the main event with a decision figgy got subbed by brandon moreno for the belt to change hands leon won a unanimous decision and a kind of anticlimactic fight Damian Maya is probably going to get the pink slip here after a loss to Bilal Muhammad. And by pink slip, I more mean retirement. He said he wants one more. He did, um, but Dana said he's not going to get one more. Ah, that's yeah. Funny. I mean, whether, I mean, Dana said that before in caves, but I don't know. Dana, Dana said he's probably done. Paul Craig tapped out Jamel Hill within two minutes. It was not, it ended up being a KOTKO. And because we're a betting pod, I might as well tell you. Paul Craig came out and apologized to all submission betters. <laughs> Felt guilty because he finished it, but it's not his fault. The dude's arm was flailing around. Brent, Brent, uh, blame Herzog on that one. And the, and the rest is kind of took form. A lot of decisions. We won our ankle lock in Eric Anders. We don't have an ankle lock this week. So if you're only around for that, stay tuned for the MCC. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good card. I was not disappointed at 263, and we got a ton of good fight time. So with that – if you guys are good to go, we'll move on to news and notes. Yeah, and we already started to go through this a little bit. Uh, we mentioned the Chiesa Luque for 265. That's August 7th. 266, we had a Curtis Blades Biggie Boy announcement as well. Yep. 
Marab uh, Duvalishvili is fighting Marlon Marais for UFC 266 all the way in September. So now we're really starting to get booked way out there. That's I also like that the fight, over Jan Blachowicz card. That, so that'd, be, that, that'd be a fun card. That's on that card? The over, yep. and Okay. Are those the only two? I think those are the only two fights on that card so far, at least big ones. Well, Glover, Marab, Marab, and Curtis Blades, Biggie Boy. Oh, right. Curtis Blades, Biggie Boy. Okay. And then shaping up to be a nice card. Any other news and notes? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've got that Alex Perez fight. Um, he's, he's scheduled against Asker Askarov, UFC Vegas 33, yep. July 31st. Uh, and still so no be... reason why he was. I can't find anything why he was replaced by uh, Rogerio Vontarin at UFC 262. That's still a mystery to me. Hmm. Probably COVID would be my guess, but it could be anything. They are – oh, are they going to – I don't know if there's news and notes. What's going on with Dillashaw Sandhagen? That's also booked. I saw a date it for It was that. booked, but it's it got delayed because uh, TJ got cut over the eye in training. Right, but and I saw another date for that. Oh, okay. I haven't yeah, seen the date. That is, uh, let's see, July 24th. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. I'm excited for that one. That card is going to be nice. That's going to be a free one, too. So, to welcome Dil- welcome Cheater Dillashaw back to the UFC after a two-year layoff. Any other news and notes, boys? Oh, Magomed Magomedov. That's a Bellator fight. Danny. Magomed Magomedov, my dude, the Tiger is fighting um, Rafian Stotts um, out of Rufus Sport MMA Academy. These are two fun Bellator prospects that, I mean, that sentence I don't say all the time, but fun Bellator prospects with only one loss each on their record. Uh, the losses are to Piotr Jan and Marab Dvalashvili. <laughs> so two absolute can't... maniacs. This should be a fun scrap for the number one contender spot at 145 or 135 excuse me over at bellator which is a cool division in all honesty right now no, bellator bellator is really filling out their roster a lot and there's a lot of i mean the light heavyweight belt just changed hands or not light well yes light heavyweight did ryan bader lost it to vadid nemkov but another uh kazakhstani guy undefeated 25 and 0 won this uh oh douglas lima 170 he beat douglas lima at 170 last week to claim that belt so they have multiple undefeated prospects they have belt holders changing hands that could very well contend in the ufc so i thought that was ariel awani who won beat lima i don't get it doesn't the guy look just like ariel awani oh yeah he does (laughs) he does and if you get really drunk he does Anything else for news and notes, gents? That's what I got. Kobe? Okay. Thin, thin news and notes week. It's been rather quiet. Moving on through, we'll get on to this week's fight card. UFC Fight Night, Jung slash Korean Zombie versus Dan 50K Ige. And this is going to be another early card. So if you wanted to go out after, it'd be very easy. The prelims start at 3 o'clock. Uh, this Saturday, and the main card is going to start at six o'clock this Saturday, so it should be over by like ten. Which I, I, this is a new thing in the ESPN era. Fox Sports One, they'd go to like one a.m. and it was awesome. And now, since ever since it's going to ESPN, they end at like nine thirty, which is just 
not what I'm used to. And I'm a, I'm a night owl, so I'm not the biggest fan, but it is what it is. So kicking it off here, we have a women's flyweight bout. So Danny's favorite. Danny's going to get his capping pen out here. Casey O'Neill versus Laura Procopio. The line is Casey O'Neill plus 130, Procopio minus 150. Line movement is a little bit, 30 points towards the favorite. It opened it closer to even. So, yeah, both these are both these women are prospects with a lot of hype. Casey, or they're both good grapplers. Casey dominated Shanna Dobson her last time out. Procopio is a, a, a credentialed black belt. Um, she's not, she's shown that she's not really been afraid to get into like a war or dog fight. She really digs deep. But this one I'm expecting to be a fun grappling match between good two good grapplers. And I have to be honest, I think I trust Casey a lot more than I trust Lara here. I think her MMA grappling is a lot better and a lot more refined. Um, I think the dog price, you know, I'm dogger past Dan plus 130 here. I think it's a good number. Took the words right out of my mouth. One more thing to kind of rewind a little bit to news and notes. Talking about Scott, uh, Scottish people getting black belts. Paul Craig got a black belt for his submission over Jamel Hill. So he got awarded his black belt, I believe, Sunday or Saturday after the fight. So that's just an interesting little tidbit. But I agree. I'm on case. Saturday before. after the fight, before the party with Jamel. Awesome Probably. story. Yeah, he Had got to mention that. Belt. Yeah, Jamel was in the video when he was receiving his black belt, but it was cool. I, I love when guys get their black belts in competition, but I agree. I'm on Casey O'Neill here for the exact same reason as you, that I feel like it's going to be a grappling match, and I believe that her MMA grappling is, is better. It's, it really comes down to that. And so if I can get a dog price on it, I'll take it. So that was me to a T. Lightweight bout. Joaquin Silva versus Rick Glenn. And this is Rick Glenn's, like, return to the cage he's been very inactive since demolishing gavin tucker right i'm gonna let you kick this one off because i yeah, think that so, you've got a little bit yeah. stronger opinions than i do here yeah I, I love rick glenn he's a phenomenal striker and he's got really good takedown defense joaquin silva's minus 130 rick glenn's plus 110 and i was telling dan before we started taping and we're talking about potential ankle locks that rick glenn might get mine i do worry just because of how inactive rick glenn has been he demolished uh, Gavin Tucker in 2017. He's fought a couple times since then, losing to Miles Jury, beating Dennis the Menace Bermudez, and then lost to Kevin Aguilar, which obviously didn't age terrifically. But he hasn't been, he has not fought since 2018. And so three years have gone by. And now he's drawing this Joaquin Silva car uh, fight. And I think Rick Glenn, if he's been putting in the work in his camp, he just turned 32. I think this is going to be the best Rick Glenn we've seen. And I just love, he's a very good rangy striker. And we all know how much I love uh, Tucker, Gavin Tucker. And he pieced him apart. I mean, viciously. And I think he can do more damage than Vic Pichel. I think he can do more damage than Nazrat Hackpress. And those are Joaquin Silva's most recent losses. So I love, I, I love Rick Glenn here. And at plus 110, I think it's a good take. I mean, he's a good rangy striker. He can win on the feet. He'll win if it hits the cards. And he's a veteran in the sport with good enough takedown defense. But if it hits the mat, he's got good defensive jiu-jitsu as well. So I, I, I don't really see a negative to Rick Glenn. I, I wonder if you do. No, I mean, th this was 
I'm kind of with you on a lot of those things. This was a lot harder for me to break down though, with those layoffs that you mentioned, I just don't know what I'm going to see from anyone that comes in. Not to mention Glenn is moving up to 155 here. He's been 145 his entire career. Um, That's a positive and a negative. I expect him to be faster. Um, He had a tough time getting to 45. Like he's, he's six feet. So the other thing though, is that I'm looking on his topology page and he has a, Canceled bout with Carlton Minus from December 2020, also scheduled for 155. So it's not like this is some random change because he's getting a phone call out yeah. of nowhere. Um, like, hey, do you want to fight Joaquin Silva? And he's like, sure. It's he's been training, he's been trying to get a fight, he's been preparing for a move to 155, which yeah, kind of uh negates the whole move up scaring me. So I think that I'm probably going to be with you come Saturday. Um, Silva likes to get in the pocket and brawl. I, I expect to, um, I expect this one to be on their feet, and I think Glenn could. I'm hoping so because Glenn's got a Glenn's a great counter puncher, but he's also good at pushing the pace. But I'm shocked it took him this long to go to 55 because, like I said, he's six feet. He's a long 45er, very long 45er. So I do think this whole the the whole. The whole layout for the fight, as long as the layoff hasn't been terrible to Rick Glenn and there's not real bad ring rust, I think that he's going to be a good spot. I am glad we laid off it as an ankle lock, though, because of that ring rust. It's it's not a guarantee. But just as far as what they bring to the table, I do like Rick Glenn there quite a bit. But so far, two fights in, two dog picks. I know, which is – you love it. I mean – if anyone looks me in the eye on the street and says we don't bring value to the table, I don't know what they're talking about. We love our value picks. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. Next one's a heavyweight bout, so little to cap here, but it's Josh Parisian versus Martinez. Roque. Roque Martinez. I almost went full Brazilian and was like, Roque Martinez, but Roque Martinez. And the line there is probably, yep, exact. Parisian's minus 135, Roque Martinez plus 115, but the line has come down a lot. Parisian was as high as minus 170 about a week ago. Yeah, this is one where I will not be picking the dog. I agree with Vegas originally, and I think I'll actually be betting Parisian, even though I Ooh. talked about how coin or heavyweights are coin flips. Um, I mean, these are two fat heavy, heavyweights fighting for their jobs. The thing, the thing is, the thing that really separates them for me is Josh is a natural heavyweight, while Roque is just fat. Uh, Josh <laughs> is going to come in there with a six-inch height advantage, seven-inch seven reach advantage. Um, Roque can bang, but I don't, I think if he doesn't land like just a, like a super clean right hand, um, he's going to lose his fight. He doesn't have the best takedown defense, even though what we saw was against Romanov, who's an absolute hoss, but Parisian's a good grappler. He should be able to get this done wherever he wants. Um, I I think I'm going to bet Parisian. So I refuse to bet Parisian. I, I, I think I'm going to lay off this one, but if I was like forcing myself to bet, I probably would take Roque. And the reason why is that Parker Porter performance out of that's the fight I watched most recently when taping was a fucking embarrassment from Parisian. He got gassed in the first two minutes and just got mauled on for the next 10 and a half. And so it's like, for me, I, I can't put my hard-earned cash on a guy who comes into a UFC fight, his his octagon debut, because I'm not kind of a contender series. And Porter was a game. former training partner of his, though. 
So it's it's kind of a weird situation where it's either emotional or he knows like all of your game. Like it's he a weird situation. Two fifty gases out and loses to Parker Porter. I was embarrassed for him, and I believe he was a parlay ad for me that week. So I definitely have some animosity towards him. But I agree. Rocate from a pure betting standpoint. If if Parisian doesn't gas out, there's nothing Roque can bring to the table that will take him out. I agree. With I think we'll see a pink slip for Roque after he loses this one. Yeah, the Dontel Mays loss, Alexander Romanov. I zero and two would drop to zero and three. But it goes back to our point, I think last week on the pod, where it's really hard to cut heavyweights. I know we were talking about Walt Harris. Those are really are none. I mean, Dana just almost wants bodies at this point. But there's a difference between Walt Harris, who could knock anyone out in the first minute and a half, and, and Roque and Martinez, who an zero and three undersized Roque Martinez. I agree with you, right? But I still don't know if I could find myself on Parisian this week. But thirty-five is a very low line. That's I mean, that's lower than expected for sure. Well, thirty-five already. That's what I'm saying. Thirty-five is crazy. That's low. Well, he made his debut at either 34 or 35. He's not – he's he's the definition of a COVID fighter. No, I'm saying uh, Parisian being minus 135. Oh, okay. I, I'm saying that Roque is a COVID fighter. Yeah, Roque is 35 actually. years old, and he's made his debut at 34. No, 100%. Yeah, yeah, No, Parisian was 170s. He's all the way down to 135, which seems low even for me, and I hate the guy. Walterweight bout, I think this is probably the prelim highlight. It's not the main event but for the prelim, but it's a welterweight bout between Kalen Chaos Williams and your boy, because you picked him just the once, Matthew Semselberger. And the line's closer than you'd think because Chaos is somewhat of a name here, but it's Chaos Williams minus 150, Semselberger plus 130. And they're treating Chaos Williams kind of like a Joaquin Buckley approach where they're they're turning him a little bit into a superstar. They're trying to because he's got that flash knockout and he's willing to brawl. So it's a lower line than I thought. But it's minus 150 for Chaos Williams. But it, it a week ago, on June 18th, or closer to 10 days ago, is minus 200, 195 to be exact. So it's come down closer to Semselberger. Yep. Um this is going to be a fun one. Uh, as Reese mentioned, I played Semselberger in his knockout <laughs> over Wit at Wait, the minus 125. It. You said um, Wit's going to get pink slipped and knocked out. It happened in 16 seconds. Happened in 16 seconds. The funny thing is I looked for my notes for that one, and I can't find the document anywhere, which is, is pretty frustrating. But regardless, both these guys are finishers. Both have a ton of power. I have to give the striking nod to Williams slightly, not by a huge margin, but he also has a reach advantage here. Um, How big? Do you have it in front of you or no? I don't in front of me. I got um, it. Keep going. I got it. Semselberger has a wrestling base, underrated, and I hope that he hasn't fallen too in love with his hands because it would be super smart if he decides to use a wrestle-heavy approach. Um, this fight's going to be a pass for me, but it's going to be one where – you, you make sure you have a full beer and you've already gone to the bathroom because you don't want to blink. Uh, it can end at any time. It's going to be a super fun fight. Yeah, it's definitely the prelim highlight for me. Good, just to touch quick, you were dead on. Two-inch reach advantage in favor of Chaos Williams. So that will matter if it stays on the feet, especially because Chaos packs a heavy-ass punch. But I, 
Semsleberger coming off a 16-second knockout over Jason Witt. Might have brought this line down a little bit. He also has a really good win over Carlton Minus, who I don't – I personally hold him in high-ish regards. Some people don't. He's 0-2 in the UFC. But I, I, I think Carlton Minus is capable. He's, he's young. He's 28. But, yeah, I, I think it, it, for me it's a dog or pass, and I won't know until the day of. It'll be if I wake up feeling frothy or not. But, yeah, I, I see what you see. And Senzelberger might be a fan of the pod, and I might have to go reach out to him and beg him to come on if I hit that bad boy. But I, I agree. would love him to come get on. Get your beers be filled. Get your, get your bowel movements out because that one's going to be a banger of a fight. And I'm shocked it's not the main event, to be honest with you. Women's strawweight bout. Everyone buckle down. Danny's about to go on a BJJ rant because we have Jana Roba fighting Kanika Murata. Murata. Kanika Murata. And the line on that is Jana Roba minus 130. It was as high as minus 165. So all the favorites are being steamed down by sharps, it seems like. Almost every line has come down nearly 30 cents. Yeah, this one reminds me of the uh, first woman's fight on the card. It's a fun wrestler in Murata versus a fun jiu-jitsu practitioner in Janji Hoba. Um, neither woman should have a huge advantage on the mat. The thing that really sets it over for me is Kobe and I talk about this a lot. Murata's a natural atom weight. She's a woman that would be fighting at 115 if she was allowed to in the UFC. She's talented enough to fight up. Um, but she's going to be less strong, less big. She's going to have a natural disadvantage in every kind of grappling instance. And Verna, even though she did just lose to um, Mackenzie Dern, Mackenzie Dern's another world-class grappler. I don't think Murata's as and That was a really close, close fight, too. Right, right. Really close fight. Verna had her moments, for sure. Um, Murata's not on that level. I think that Verna's going to be able to have her have her way with her. I think that also she's going to be able to have success on the feet if it ends up staying there because they are such good grapplers, and that ends up happening some sometimes. It just doesn't go to the mat with the grapplers, and you get sloppy strikers. But I think the stronger woman's going to win the striking exchanges or at least be able to push up against the fence and win some control time. So I think I'm going to be playing Verna here. I might also sprinkle Verna decision. Because, like I mentioned, Murata is a good, good, not world-class, good, maybe even great, but not world-class grappler. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy to tap her, even though her one loss is from getting tapped by a high-level jiu-jitsu practitioner. I think the decision is a good sprinkle here over the sub, but Verna's is going to be able to get this done. Do you have, by chance, the lines on decision versus sub? I can pull it up. Pull it up while I go on my little tangent here because it'll be interesting to see what the value is like. For me, I personally am not a big women's MMA fan. It, it tends to be slow. I Not less skillful. I mean, when it gets really high level, they're, they're extremely talented. But it's more the finding them into the top 15. Sometimes it can be an absolute snoozer. This is not the case. If you're a fan of grappling at all, grappling exchanges, scrambles, this is going to be a phenomenal fight. I do worry that Murata, that Janaroba is going to want to sit in, in her guard. I do worry about that. Because when you have a wrestler who 
is fighting a jiu-jitsu practitioner, you, you don't know if they're going to be too scared to go into her full guard or if she'll entertain it to, to get top control and, and eventually win on the cards. So I do worry about that. But 130 is way lower than I thought it was going to be by the time we hit hit record because everything Janarova brings to the table. So the sub is 275 and the decision is 245. So very similar value. Very, very similar. Um, I think I slightly favor the decision. I agree too. I don't, I'm not a big fan of betting tough finishes, finishes and like that. Yeah, it's just yeah. too tough. So tough. But yeah, that for for a women's flyweight bout or strawweight bout, that's going to be a, a blast of a fight. Like I'm, ex- I'm genuinely excited for that fight. It, it'll show. It's going to really scrape or shape together the strawweight division. The definitely the ten to fifteen range. One of these girls is going to crack that to single digits, in my opinion. And then capping off the prelim card, Stipe Miocic's training partner and ex-contender series vet, Alexi Kamur, is going to fight the guy that we definitely would have done pronunciation of the week if Parker was here, Nikolai Negumanu. 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 Are you sure about that? Negumanu. Negumanu. I don't read no goodly for those who are wondering. But Alexi Kamur's minus 245. Nikolai, Nikolai is plus 205. So we bet on Alexa Kamer, or at least I bet on Alexa Kamer. I did too, against William Knight, right? In his debut against William Knight, that didn't go our way. Um, he, he was someone who, who went into that matchup with a lot of hype. Um and somehow being a, a super strong um, fighter at light heavyweight, he found someone who's bigger and stronger than him, which is not going to happen here. I am really not excited about the prospect that is Nigurumanu. Nigurumanu. <laughs> it's close. Um, if, someone, if someone's podcast froze at the wrong time, we're getting demonetized there. This, one, this, this, this is a tough last name. I won't lie to you. <laughs> Um, I just think that Kamur is more dynamic, more well-rounded. I think he's stronger. Um, I think I, I, I think that this fight is going to go a lot better. And it, I, I hesitate to say this, but it almost feels like they're giving him an opponent to get him back on track. Um, a guy they, they think has a lot of potential. Um, I, lo- I look at the guys that Nick Nikolai has been facing and – they all kind of look like cans. And then you look at Alexa who as an amateur fought a seven and O semi pro. Um, it just, it, that goes to, that shows me, I mean, when you're at a gym that like with Stipe with a coach that trains Stipe, if your coach thinks you're ready for a seven and O semi pro fighter as your last amateur fight, it, it, it's a it lot of confidence. Me, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of confidence. It shows me that you're really talented and people that are people that know their shit think really highly of you. The other thing that I want to mention about his opponent, there's two things. One, he's coming off like almost a two-year layoff. His last fight was actually over a two-year layoff. His last fight was March 2019. So that's the first thing that I wanted to add. He's been gone for a while. But, wait, what the fuck? Oh yeah, and um, 
But I was going to say that, so he lost in his UFC debut to Safarov, nine and three Russian. You might, you might be familiar with him. We've talked about him on this podcast before. He got tapped out by Adolfo Vieira. He also lost to Jan Volante. And so if, if MMA math in any scenario gets you losing to Jan Volante, I want no part of you. And, that, and that's literally what we have here. So I, I won't have it. I, I, I refuse. Jan Volante is the Michelin man at heavyweight, and he's going to beat you. And then you're going to come in, and then you're going to beat this guy? No, thank you. He's one and three in the UFC, and his one win is against this guy. And now this guy's going to come and try to dethrone a, one of the UFC top light heavyweight prospects. I don't think so. But the line is a little steep for me to ride, I believe. 230, 245 is a little high for me, I think. Might be a parlay ad, which last parlay week would have been terrible, but this week I'm feeling good. New week, baby. Parlays are back. Big hitters. And this time, everyone's sick of hearing my voice. Kobe, you're up. Main event challenge. We, we did pretty poorly as a pod on the main event challenge last week, a total of 1.05 points between the four of us. Oh my God. Who got That's him? what I get for picking a bunch of rounds. I know we all were getting frothy. We ended up getting real picky with them. Uh, no change to the overall standing CKDKPRRP. How did the, who got the point? The 1.05 who got them? Pico picked up 1.05 with. Pico got all of them? Yeah. Oh my God. He picked up Bilal Muhammad decision plus one Oh five. Oh my God. Everyone else. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> well, if I didn't go cute last card, I could have made maybe a little bit of a comeback, but here we sit. Here we sit. So uh, I'm going to kick things off for what Matt Brown, Diego Lima, Reese, you got a line for us. That's what I have. Matt Brown, Diego Lima and the line is Diego Lima minus one sixty five. Matt Brown plus one forty five. I'm on Diego Lima by decision plus 150. I'll toss it over to DK. That's a good spot to be on. Um, let's get a little bit cute here. I'm going to go Lima inside the distance plus 260. Um, Four-year-old Matt Brown just – Ain't what he like, used to was. Is it 40 or is he older than 40? I think he might be like 42. I don't know though. Yeah, 40 or above. Ain't what he used to was. Too much damage throughout his career. Not as fast or as technical as he once was. Um, Lima looked good and he lost to Muhammad. He looks sharp. Uh, those calf kicks add up on a guy like Matt Brown. I don't see him biting on the mouthpiece and making it 15 minutes. I'm going to favor the younger, faster fighter and – I originally was going to go decision, but I want to advance in front of Kobe. I also am on inside the distance plus 260. Danny pretty much stole all my words right out of my mouth as well. I mean, Matt Brown is 40 years old, but Diego Lima surprised both Danny and myself in that beloved Muhammad fight his last time out. He's also a guy who I think is capable of finishing Matt Brown. Matt Brown's a tough guy, a durable guy, but he's an older guy. And I also pinned it exactly what you said. I think the leg kicks are going to provide some problems, especially because Matt Brown relies so heavily on, you know, he throws every, 
every strike with super bad intentions. I mean, he is a guy who just loves violence. Sometimes I, sometimes I wake up at night in the middle of the night and I'm like, does violence exist because of Matt Brown or does Matt Brown exist because of violence? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's a nightmare. It goes back and forth. It's a chicken and the egg type thing, but it's just with Matt Brown. But I, I, I think, I think Diego Lima can get it done here if he wants to. And I think he's probably going to go for that bonus. Potentially there's a good fight for him. Diego Lima inside the distance plus 260. Next fight, middleweight bout between my prospect, we talked about it on Set the Spread, Wellington Terman, against Bruno Silva at middleweight. And the line is Bruno Silva minus 125. Wellington Terman plus 105. Wellington Terman saw as high as plus 130 last week. What's going on? CK, you're up. Yeah, this is one I remember set the spread. Y'all both had Terman as the favorite. So I'm I'm not going to stray from that. I'm going to take Terman decision plus 380. So first of all, I, I want to add some, when we get our own studio, we got to get like a dartboard that's got all the like fight results, like straight up by TKO decision. And then when like, when someone's no show, they're, they're not allowed to pick their own things. We throw like either red or black for fighter A, fighter B. And then like whatever their pick is. And that's just it. I think that'll be really fun. Gotta be. I mean, but then, but then what happens is he torches us for 35 points and we're all dead last. (laughs) The luck of the draw. It's definitely how this game feels. Um, All right. I, I did think that tournament was going to be the favorite. Um, But since then I've done a little bit of taping. Silva, a ton of good wins at M1, former champion there. Um, he's a great Muay Thai base. And Terman kind of got a spotty record coming off of a bad knockout. Um, I can see why Bruno is the favorite here. Um, I'm deciding whether or not I want to get cute. But I think that Bruno could finish him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. So I'm just going to go Bruno. You said it was 125. I'm seeing 120, but I'll, I haven't refreshed minus, in a while. So Minus 125. 125. Lock that in. No. Sorry. Vetoed. I just refreshed my page. It's 135 right now on Ooh. five times. <laughs> Ooh. Absolutely gross. Off the fresh refresh. We're vetoing. It's here Wednesday night. 119 bet online. We're switching our book of choice. (laughs) No, it's always five dimes. Standard procedure. 135, 115 Wellington tournament. Unless you're uh, you're a sports book out there, you want to sponsor us. What? If you're a sports book out there, you want to sponsor us. We will never mention another line again. I'm easy. It won't even cost that much. Nothing at all, honestly. Just let us know. Hit us up. (laughs) One retweet. We'll get it done. Reese, you got to play. So is he accepting 135? Yeah. 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 Good. Cause I, you didn't have a ton of choice. Um, <laughs> so I feel bad because I feel like we totally dirted on Kobe because I, I too am switching. I got, I finally got chance to tape Bruno Silva. He's making his UFC debut here at the age of 31, but he has turned a huge corner 
He's on a four-fight win streak. A lot of his early losses were – or a lot of his losses were really early in his career. I mean, all on the regional scene for the most part. And you see that a lot with guys who are later to the sport. And if they don't have the right guidance, they take fights they probably shouldn't have taken. And it affects in their record later on. They turn pro too early instead of staying at an amateur for a while. And a lot of other mistakes can be made. So he almost lost all his fights early. He has a lot of good performances. Especially like that Danny. last one, the and round one. four knockout that shows so much that he has even the cardio to get someone out of there in round four. An undefeated fighter in round four knockout. He beat a 57 and 10 guy, uh, Alexander Slomenko. Slomenko is awesome. I know. If, if you don't, yeah. Okay. Round For one. Listeners, check out Slomenko. Round one awesome. knockout in M1. So he's flying high into the UFC. And I think this could be a big, big step to the stage on this main card here this week. I like Silva a lot. Uh, Danny touched on it is his Muay Thai. And I think he's got that ability to finish Wellington pretty gruesomely, to be honest with you. So I'm going to go Silva wins by KOTKO plus 200. And that's where I sit on that. Next fight up the card, and if anyone wants to follow along, I know I always add this, but we're just on the Google card, the ESPN card, not topology. But the featherweight bout next is Julian Juicy J. Arosa versus Choi Sangwoo. And the line is Juicy J plus 125, Sangwoo minus 145. And the line's been a straight line for a while now. So not a lot of, not a lot of action being seen. I'm riding with the favorite, the Korean. Uh, I'm going to take him by decision plus 190. This one's hard for me. Uh, I've been flip-flopping all day, and I do not have a, a pick written down yet, so I'm going to go through my analysis and see if it comes to me. <laughs> Love it. Erosa. Okay, we'll do it live. He's got a kind of an effectively wild style of fighting. He likes to get in your face, um, throw big shots, but he can be susceptible to being clipped. Um and, he, and, and he, it shows. He's, he's got a couple of knockout losses were on his record. Choi, I see, is a good point fighter. He does everything behind the jab. Um, that win over Yusuf Zalal was really impressive for me. But he's not a guy I see as having real KO power. Um, I guess this what, what this comes down to for me is, is this going to be a martial arts showcase, or is this going to be a fight? Because I think Julian Arosa wins a fight and Sung Woo wins if it stays clean and stays sharp. Guess I'm going to go for, for an ugly dog fight. Let's go with the dog, Julian Arosa. Um, let's see if he can gut out a win, make this ugly. Give me the plus 125. I mean, Julian Arosa is a sneaky guy, but – I don't think either of these guys truly bring, I mean, it's going to be a high pace fight. I do worry about that, but I, I think I'm going to take the over and I'm going to do over two and a half minus minus one forty. That's a nice play. I probably should yeah. have played something I, that wasn't either of these fighters because well, can, it's just going to be, I worry because the pace is going to be, I think there's gonna be a lot of strikes thrown. I just really can't pick a winner. So I'm hoping it's a lot of distance and rangey striking and, Hopefully, they- I'm hoping it's not distance and rangey because that'll that'll favor Choi for sure. 
That's how I imagine it going, but I know, but Julian's such a brawler. It's so hard to pick. Are we in the apex for this one? Back yeah. to the small cage. No back more Izzy back. footwork. Back, back to the, back to the small cage. It's going to be a, Dana totally did that on. Uh, yeah. A Giddy, lot of yeah. people have these theories that it's a spacing issue. No, Dana wants it to be a phone booth if he could. Yeah. It's, it's total bullshit. I'll right, take a Rosa right. in the small cage dog fight in the little cage. All right. It works for me. Um, we'll continue along then. We're going to get, oh no, I was about to say Coleman, not Coleman, Bantamweight bout, Marlon should be Vera versus Davy Grant. I agree. It should be Davy Grant plus 170, Chito Vera minus 200. 200. That's 200. I, I'm all over Cheeto here. I didn't know whether I wanted to do sub or KO. It's kind of, I mean, obviously this is not how this one played out, but last week I was also on Figgy. I just took him inside the distance because I thought that it could go one of both ways. Um, so I'm going to do the same. I'm just going to do Cheeto inside the distance plus 170. It's not a bad pick. Kind of tickles my fancy. Um, <laughs> you look at this. Cheeto, much better strength of schedule. He debatably took a round off of Jose Aldo in his last fight. Um, that's an impressive thing. Say at any point, any year. I don't care. Um, Davy Grant, though. Davy fucking Grant coming off of two highlight reel knockouts. One that cost me a lot of money versus Jonathan Martinez. A fight that I was pretty sure that Jonathan Martinez would beat him everywhere and out of nowhere in that second round, Davey Martinez just knocked his lights out. That's definitely something that scares me here. Um, I think I'm going to go with minus 130. Fight doesn't go to decision. No. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Violence. Let's do violence. Bet the violence. Never lose. Minus 130. Fight does not go to decision. Bang, bang, and a chicken wing. That's what you're taking? Hmm. 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 I love Cheeto. Finished O'Malley for the boys. Davey Grant busted the parlay with the John and Martinez knockout. It's, it's tough, but but not too tough. I'm going to go Cheeto Vera wins via decision. Plus 190. You're just going to get the better of the exchanges. I don't know if either of them really can finish. And the line kind of shows that too. So I'll take Vera plus 190 at the decision. Ready to keep okay. moving, gentlemen? Heavyweight Comain. <laughs> We've seen this guy before with his whopping 70 fights. More than 70 fights. Yeah, it's 70 uh, recorded Lewis, fights. Who know what they were writing? Who, who know what they were writing down like back when he started fighting? Literally. Alexi Olinick versus Sergey Spivak. And the line is Spivak minus 230. Olinick plus 190. I hated making a pick for this. It was, I just, it's kind of just a gross fight. Obviously, anything could happen. These heavyweights with. I mean, I guess Alexi Olenek definitely has got a little bit more of a chin that's been tested, let's put it nicely. Uh, um, yeah, disintegrated. <laughs> um, 
That being said, I kind of see this one staying at range for at least a little bit, feeling themselves out. I'm actually going over one and a half plus 135. Wow. Okay. Big props to Alexi. 70-something pro fights. Far too old to be fighting in the UFC. Ain't what he used to was. To say the least. He's going to try and close the distance and get Sergey on his back. Sergey is, is not – I mean, he's a much better grappler than like a Chris Daukus, who we just saw absolutely spark Alexi Olenek. I don't think this one's going to be any different. Vegas doesn't think this one's going to be any different. We're going, where's the number for it? Plus 175, Spivak, KO, round one. Oh. <laughs> Danny didn't learn from the round ones last week. Keeps pushing through. I'm just going to, I'm not going to get too cute. I just need points at this point. I'm going to take Spivak wins, KO, TKO, minus 140. Anytime works. Anytime works. Anytime works for me. And getting into the main event, I don't imagine we're going to differ much here. Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. Big fight here. Dan Ige is now minus 115. Korean Zombie minus 105. You're up, Cubs. I'm on Dan the man, not Dan the man, Dan Ige. <laughs> Dan 50K EGA. 50K EGA. KO TKO plus 380. Wow. Wow. TK, TKZ looked real shaky his last time out. And I don't know. I, I, that's what I'm feeling. I like the number. That ain't bad. No, it's not bad at all. Kobe, you're right. I mean, he looked like he lost a step in that Ortega fight. Um, makes you wonder if he's still same zombie that made him one of the biggest stars in the promotion at one point. On the other side, you have 50K Ige, super skilled, super well-rounded, um, super cardio man. Should get in on the inside, land some power overhands. Um, should overwhelm him. I think I see him winning at least four rounds, dominating, maybe getting a finish. I'm not sure. I think I'm going to take... can't find it all right i'm i'm, I'm not gonna blow this whole thing up i'm gonna just take dan Ige, uh 115 fuck fuck now i have to decide do i go fade central just for the points can't do it i love Ige too much i'll take Ige. oh my god uh i i'll just do the 115 too I, there's no sense in trying to get weird with it. 115 plays. I think the decision's most likely, but I really think he could not come out, especially after that dismantling of Gavin Tucker last time out for 50K Ige. So with that being said, thank you again for tuning into Ankle Pick Pod. Follow us over on Instagram, our brand new spot, at Ankle Pick Pod. Follow us over on Twitter, also at Ankle Pick Pod. The Twitter's been popping off recently. We'll Follow have Danny. With, with both of y'all's plays on both sites. Yes. The plays will be up and posted if you want to ride along. We've been phenomenal as of recent and up year to date. 
Danny is over at MMA Capper Longhorn DK MMA, I think. What is it? Just Longhorn MMA. Just Longhorn MMA. He changed it up for the boys, but it's at Longhorn MMA on Twitter. Country Club Kobe still needs to get his Twitter unless you want to follow him personally. But with all that plugging being done, we'll see you next week for Set the Spread. Enjoy the card this week. Po-ha! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.